right, hello and welcome back to another episode of Grief. It's not just another season. My name is Johnny Richards, and just to remind you that this episode and this podcast is a production of Heartland Hospice here in Raleigh, North Carolina, a division of ProMedica. And once again, I have with me Kristen. Thank you for joining again, please, ma'am. Thank you for having me. Um, we're going to kind of conclude our topic we took up last time that we had our podcast, and that was kind of debunking the myths of grief. Um, we talked last week about five. There are ten that we want to discuss. And last week we talked, or last time we got together, we talked about five of them. One of them being that grief has an end point. Um, another one was once you are done grieving, life will be back to normal, whatever normal looks like. Uh, the third one was there's a predictable and consistent timeline for grief. The fourth one was if you still cry after a certain length of time, you are stuck. The fifth one was the goal of grief is to get over it. Now, remember, these are all myths. These are things that um, we don't want you to think that if these are not happening, that you're doing things wrong because uh, we know grief does not have an end point. It is a lifetime experience. And so we just wanted to kind of debunk some of those and talk about them. And we're going to do five more today as we conclude uh, our talk about this. And the first one, Kristen, we want to talk about is uh, one that says you grieve less when you know in advance someone is dying. So I think mm-hmm. I think what we're talking about here is basically anticipatory grief. We know there are people who have loved ones maybe that are diagnosed with terminal illness. Maybe they're on a life support system. And so from that point, you know, they're kind of beginning that grief process. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that that's interesting the way that's worded. You grieve less when you know someone is dying. There's no time frame given there because sometimes we know someone is dying for months. Yeah. And sometimes it's just hours. Um, but, yeah, I agree with you. I think anticipatory uh, grieving does come into play. I think that it makes a difference for some people, but I don't think that you can, uh, you, you definitely you won't know ahead of time what kind of difference it's going to make. Yeah. Um, I do. You know, you and I, we meet people a lot of times that maybe, particularly in cases like uh, severe dementia or Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. where someone has really been losing bits and pieces of the person for years right. at times. I do think sometimes that their grief process at the moment of death is maybe a little gentler transition into it. Uh, not always, right. but I think sometimes people get to a place where they really are kind of, they've, they've seen that the person's lost so much that they feel a sense of relief for that person. Well, you, hear, you might hear somebody say, you know, I lost that person a long time ago yeah. because yeah. the quality of life had left. Now, the, you know, the interesting wording in here for me is you grieve less. I mean, oh, yeah. to me, there's yeah. no real level. Yeah. No, of, of it's grief. timing, and yeah, it is timing. And, and then at the same time, you know, for those, for the all the people that maybe they do have that gentler transition into the grieving when when that person takes last breath. I think there are still those that that don't, you know, find it any easier. That that I often use the word surreal. I think mm-hmm. when someone takes their last breath, no matter how much you're expecting it there is something very surreal about knowing they were here and now they're not. Right. Um, right. And for some people, they still have, you know, a really difficult time for, for a while. 
yeah, with I, that grief. We are going to have a episode later on about this whole anticipatory grief topic because mm-hmm. it is huge. I mean, and when we look at that, they're basically kind of two different, two, not two different, different griefs, but you have a pre-grief right, right. <laughs> where you're kind of grieving, but you also have the grief of the reality of, of the, the loss. Of the actual death. Right, yeah. yeah. And so I guess if somebody wants to say or ask, mm-hmm. will I grieve less? No, you won't grieve less, but it'll be a little easier if a person has been... Maybe. Maybe yeah. has been, you know, diagnosed or especially Alzheimer's, that, you know, that is such a difficult and yeah. horrible disease. And I don't even know if I'd use the word easier. I just think different. I think we grieve differently. You know, if someone dies in a car crash yeah. and you never saw that coming, that that grief looks different yeah. than the grief of someone who you have held their hand bedside for weeks or months. Yeah, or or the person who doesn't who's, mean it's easier, harder, lesser, greater. Yeah. Or the person who's lived ninety years old and the person who dies at a young age, right. you know. It's just different. It's different. And and all grief is different. And that's something important to understand that all grief is different. So yeah, when we look at this myth that, you know, it, there's not a less no. when you talk about um dying even if or grieving, even if you've known well in advance that someone is going to die. Okay, this next one we we'll look at Grieving and mourning are the same thing. Yeah, I, I disagree. I mean, again, I think that is that is a myth because, um, and that's our our judgmental nature. You know, as yeah. human beings, we we take what we see and think that that is truth, uh, which we shouldn't do that in any situation, right? But I think with folks that lose a loved one, sometimes there's a tendency to judge their level of pain based on what we see in their emotions. Yeah. Um, and their uh, emotions aren't always visible. Right, right. You know? I mean, mourning to me is uh, welling and crying and well, it's, showing it's, that outward expression. It's what other people see. Yeah, it's what they that, can see of yeah. your grief. The grief is inside. I mean, you somebody can be grieving walking down the street and you would have you no would idea. You never know it. Right. Yeah. Now, if they're mourning, you're going to see the crying and things like that. And, and you're going to see examples of mourning more at a funeral or something like that than if you go to a person's house. They might not show any signs of it, but they're still grieving. So they're... I think of those people, Johnny, like where uh, I, I've worked in churches for years, and I think sometimes there's a lot of discussion behind the scenes about how someone's doing, and they'll say, well, I, I saw her at church last week. You know, he just died two weeks ago. <laughs> she seems fine. She's totally fine. She's yeah. moved on. Wasn't crying a bit. Yeah, So you, but you know what? You have absolutely no idea what's going no. on internally with that person. The same thing, you know, at funerals. Some people have a cultural or a, a family understanding of we are strong, we we don't show our pain. We don't wear our emotions on our, our sleeve for people to view. doesn't mean it's not there. Right. They, they just may not be mourning in that outward way that you and I can say, this is what it is. Exactly. And it, and it could also be that they've been raised in a, in a culture that says you don't show that. Right, exactly. And especially in public. Um, mm-hmm. You know, your Vice faith is strong versa, you know, there are cultures and, and family groups where that is an expected dynamic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we sometimes go to death events in hospice where there is a lot of emotion shown. There is wailing. There are people, you know, sometimes throw themselves onto 
the patient's body and don't want the funeral home to take the body out. I mean, you kind of see everything. Um, and we have to train even our own staff that because you see that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be, you know, complicated grief or right. that they're not going to do well. Right. It may be part of part of the mourning that is expected in the, in the cultural experience. Yeah, and how many people have we heard that uh, family members are are concerned about other family members because they're not crying. You know right. what I mean? You know, I saw them at a reunion and, and they seem to be fine. Well, you know, just that's just because know. they just grieve in a different way. Yeah. And I, I think that's the important part of this one when we look at grieving and mourning being the same thing. They are different. Uh, but at the same time, grief is different for everybody. I mean, mm -hmm. you, you just do it a different way and we have to be very careful about, as you said, placing that judgment on somebody just because they're thinking we know what's going on inside yeah. and looking like they're over it already when, right. when we know they're not so yeah grieving and mourning are indeed different okay the next one we look at is grief only affects one part of the person what <laughs> part of that person would it be Kristen I don't know <laughs> you know I, it's interesting because we, we have a whole nother topic about the different areas of your life that are affected um Let's see if I can remember them. The emotional is the one everyone always goes to, right? Right. The physical um, being, you know, you might have actual physical sim symptoms that come up. Mm -hmm. uh, social, the, mm -hmm. the way we interact with the people around us. Behavioral, uh, do we fall into ad addictions or habits? Um, spiritual, mm -hmm. help me with the sixth one, Johnny. I'm trying to think here. <laughs> Oh, man. We may have to come back to that yeah, one. There's another yeah. one. I'll think of it before we finish our podcast. But, yeah, I think that obviously the idea that grief is only affects a, one part of us is that. That's I think no mental and that. emotional, is that the Men, same? Mental. That's mental, what it was. That yeah, mental one? being yeah. like you're, you know, you maybe can't concentrate yeah, as well. Yeah, can't focus. Or, mm -hmm. Yeah, so, um, so you look at it, grief is holistic. I mean, it, it, it oh, takes yeah. care of everything about <laughs> pretty you. pretty much messes you up all the way around, doesn't it? <laughs> it really does. I mean, and, and if you want to, like you said, we're going to talk about this at another episode about uh, the different parts. But, I mean, if you just look at each six, each one of these six things and think about how grief um, plays a part of that, I mean, who who doesn't feel awkward about going out mm -hmm. in public in a social environment mm -hmm. um, if you've lost a loved one? And a spouse, especially. And, you know, let's say that spouse was the extrovert of the family and you're the introvert. Everything what introvert strange. wants to go out there? Yeah. You know, it's almost like going out in a jungle or, or a world that you're not aware of. And so... Well, where I see that coming in, too, is how people, we want to com compartmentalize things. So we want to say, okay, I'm, I'm grieving, and so my emotions are all up in arms. You know, I, I'm not... I'm not handling that piece well, but I'm going to go back to work after three days because my my company gives me three days of bereavement and I should be able to function at 100%, right? Yeah. Um, well, that's where that mental piece mm -hmm. comes in because... You can't focus at all. You, you can't focus at all. You know, you've, you're doing a million things in your mind and your heart and your spirit and people find themselves making a lot of mistakes uh, they find them, they'll tell me, I feel like I have a brain fog yeah. going on. I just, yeah. I, I'm seeing everything through cloudy vision or something. I, I can't get stuff right. Yeah. Well, of course, that's, that's great. That physical, you know, piece, it's, it's interesting to me how many people that surprises 
when you know we call them after a few weeks and they're they're down with a real bad cold yeah. you know and they don't realize that hey your whole body takes a toll yeah it doesn't hit you just just emotionally it doesn't hit yeah. you just one way yeah and i think the piece for me that really i resonate with is the spiritual part oh yeah if you're a person of faith i mean some people say well if you're a person of faith you just need to find that strength and and keep on going well I think, you know, I'm a person of faith, and I, I agree that my faith keeps me going and keeps me strong. Doesn't mean it takes away the humanity of the pain and the hurt, and you the know, questioning, right, and the yeah. questioning and the anger, maybe, and right. and things like that. And you know, if if there are people listening who are strong people of faith, then you've probably been active in your church a long, long time, and and the church wants you to. Just pick right up and and do what you used to do. Don't be afraid of saying no right now. Right. Say I need to take care of myself a little bit, and and you know I've got six parts that are being uh, messed up here. Right. And, and it has to do with your energy level too, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I think that is um, maybe one of the biggest. I think that maybe takes the longest to come back for a lot of folks. Yeah. They really think, hey, you know, if I can get through this week with the all the funeral home prep and then doing the the service and stuff then you know I'm going to be sad but I'll I'll be myself again in some ways and they're Mm. not they don't you know they find I really I hear this a lot people think that they have what we would call clinical depression because they'll say I just don't want to get out of the bed in the mornings you know I just feel tired all the time yeah that's a symptom of grief that's the physical they're like really yeah I said, maybe I'm depressed. Well, may- maybe, but, you know, maybe not. Maybe you're just exhausted because even when you're asleep, your your mind is trying to work through all this. Right. And we can go back to uh, one of the first episodes we did on, on this, and and we talked about the first few days after a death and what all you have to do. I mean, funeral planning. Overwhelming. Yeah, death certificates, paperwork. I mean, you go through all that, and, and plus, a lot. Some people have to host a family that comes in to, <laughs> yeah. to be with them. You know, yeah. And, um, you just get exhausted. You're just so tired, and um, so yeah, it affects every part of who we are. And um, so, don't feel bad if, if if your whole life feels like you're a big mess. <laughs> Yeah, that's, like it's all a mess, kind of mixed while. up. Yeah, so so that does happen. It affects all parts of us. All right, so the next one, this is a good one, um, and I don't know why people feel this way, but you should grieve alone. Mm-hmm. You should grieve alone. I mean, after all, it's your death. Yeah. It's what you experienced, and so just handle it on your own. And I mean, <laughs> you know, probably an equal but you know, another fitting myth would be you need to be around people all the time. It, the it's, side, it's, yeah. Again, it's these expectations that it should be one way or the other. I think there are people that, uh, that do a lot of their grieving on their own. They don't feel comfortable, like we were saying before, that, that outward mourning around right. other people. They maybe don't feel as comfortable in those situations. They need time and space by themselves to kind of let those emotions out. Um, but I don't think there's very many people that need only that. Right. Do you? No, no, no. And I, I was sitting here thinking as you were talking, I totally agree that if we look at this myth, you should grieve alone. I think there are times 
when it's important for us to find that space where we can be alone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the things we we talk about a lot is sitting in that pain and feeling it. And and sometimes people want to not be alone so they don't have to feel that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for example, coming home at night and it's just really hard. Of course it is. It's sad and quiet and things like that. But those are some great times also to just remember and think and uh, allow the emotion to come because a lot of people don't want you to allow that emotion to come. And, right. and they want you to uh, stiffen up. And I, th- I think it's a beautiful thing to allow that emotion to come sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes the only time you can do that is when you're alone. And, and likewise, it's a beautiful thing when that person that maybe is comfortable with, with being in their own head by themselves can, um, you know, just even in casual discussions, someone say, hey, how are you really doing these days? And for them to be able to open up, even if it's just a very brief interaction, you know, to be able to say, well, you know, I'm, I'm doing the best I can. And, and, and to hear from a friend or a loved one, I'm here for you, you know. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, a lot of times what <laughs> our friends and our loved ones do, instead of saying, I'm here for you if you need me, when you need me, you know, they say, we've got to get you out of the house. <laughs> Because they think they know, you know, I know exactly what you need. And what you need is to not be alone at all. Sometimes we want to be fixers of the problem. We do. And and grief sometimes doesn't have a fix. It's just a, a, you know, I like what you said, you know, doing the best I can. Right. And and leave it at that unless they want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's important to find, as, as I like to tell people, it's important to find people that you know are good listeners. Right, because there's a lot of people out there that'll give you answers to what you need to do, but it's a real treasure and a real skill to be able to just sit and listen to somebody and which is where you know I I think sometimes we do we're constantly interpreting how people have a what kind of support system do they have around them. And when I talk to someone that I feel really doesn't have that that friend or that, uh, you know, a sibling or a parent or somebody that will just listen mm-hmm. and that they can share stories with and won't judge them, that's when I'm saying, you know what, there's some great benefit to a counselor. Yep. There, there really is a lot to be said for um, a season of therapy mm-hmm. you know because I, I and again I'm not a person that goes to therapy every week but I've had several periods in my life where I have committed to a few months maybe of going and and plopping myself down in somebody's chair and you know they they listen to me and it has been very cathartic yeah sometimes yeah. I get there and the tears just won't even wait till I get in in the chair because I've been holding it back yeah for, for that week or that two weeks or something. So. And you feel safe about that. Yeah, feel. yeah. yeah. You don't feel like you're burdening someone because this is what they do, you know. Yeah. So uh, we want you to hear that, you know, there are times when, when grief, being alone is important in grief, but there's also a lot of times when you need support and you need to talk to someone and, and let them listen in non-judgmental way and, and kind of help you with that. So finally, we want to finish up with this one. And this is one that we've kind of looked at at the beginning where it says grief has an endpoint, And that is this. Now, Kristen, this probably comes from the fact that in our program, in our department, we follow folks for a year mm-hmm. in their grief. 
So this one says you should be over your grief at the one year mark. Oh yes. I mean you must be completely true, right? <laughs> one year, you're done. I mean, after all, you've mm-hmm. gone over the birthday, you've gone over the anniversary, yeah. you've gone over, you know, we make a little light of it, but the fact is, nothing changes on day three hundred and sixty-six. Right? Does it? It's the same. It's the same, and. I think people have been set up. Once again, we talk about expectations, and a lot of this is due to people ex- expecting things from us and us allowing them to kind of put guidelines on what we do and timetables on what we do. But I have heard people say, you know, I'm a year and a half in this, and I'm still crying, and I'm, I'm just not understanding why. Well, mm-hmm. because it's still very raw. But you know what I, I tell folks like that? I say, rather than looking at, the, you know, your grief symptoms now and just, you know, bemoaning that they're still there, try to take yourself back about six months. Mm-hmm. You know, look at it in blocks of time. So if I'm at the year and a half mark, you know, what, and it's whatever, we're in November right now. Let's go back even a year. What was last November like? when I was six months out from that. Well, maybe I felt like uh, the tears came every time, you know, somebody said his name or Mm -hmm. something like that. Maybe now the tears come randomly, you know, every couple of days when I either see or smell or something reminds me. Right. Um, So I don't know that it's it's the same thing. It doesn't go away, but we do progress and we do so in such minute ways that we can't always pinpoint them unless we look at larger blocks of time. Yeah, so what you're saying is, and I totally agree, is uh, find find the encouraging improvements in your life mm-hmm. by going back and, and comparing the way it used to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very important. And, um, you know, we do that a lot with folks. We say, okay... You're struggling, but let's go back. Let's and see where we were. Don't you think that's where journaling can be? Oh, absolutely. A, a real I benefit. love journaling, yeah. So I don't love journaling. I'll just <laughs> tell the listeners out there, it, it is a hard discipline for me. I don't do it just because I love it. But again, there are times when I, when I undertake, just like exercise, you know, mm-hmm. I do it because I know it's going to be helpful for me. But if you journal even just a little bit, um, it makes it easier to kind of flip back and see what your thought patterns were three, six, nine months ago. Um, and I think that's how a lot of times people see differences. Yep. They go, oh, yep. well, maybe I, maybe I am doing okay. Maybe exactly. I am progressing a little bit. Yeah. And I will go back and say, I did say I love journaling. I love the idea of journaling. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, it, it's hard for a lot of us. It's not like I sit down and say, oh, there's nothing more I'd rather do than <laughs> writing a book today. <laughs> no. Yeah. But I do love the idea of journaling because it does help us. Uh, it helps us with putting down emotions. It helps us with going back and looking. So I do think there's very much benefit to that. And I think the holidays, too, if you think about it, Johnny, you know, there is something wonderful, not wonderful, there, there's something relieving about getting to the end of a year and saying, okay, so Thanksgiving's coming up right now, but you know what? We did Thanksgiving last year. It was pretty rough. (laughs) This year, it may still be pretty rough, but I bet it's not quite like it was last year. You know, again, it's those differences. If you can, instead of just saying, I shouldn't still be feeling any of this, say, you know what? What I feel this year is painful, but it, it is different than the kind of pain I was I yeah. was in last year at this time. Exactly, exactly. So, um, 
you're not going to be over it at the year mark, that's for sure. Hopefully it will get a little bit easier and uh, as you look back on the way it used to be and a year back that things are doing better. So those are the 10 myths that we wanted to discuss with you. We uh, also invite you, if you are struggling, give us a call at Heartland Hospice and we will help uh, however way we can to listen and to help you process um, what you're dealing with. Kristen, thank you for sharing yeah. with me. Oh, glad to be here. And so we will see you again and talk with you again uh, in two weeks. Thanks again for listening. Have a good day.